Hello and welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. Conference Championship Weekend, the AFC and NFC Championship Games, Monday morning. The divisional round has a reputation of being the best weekend on the NFL cal- calendar. It didn't disappoint. I needed a cigarette after it. I didn't even, I don't even smoke. That's how, that's how exhilarating it was. Uh, in a league where the margins are so slim, even for one of the greatest regular season teams of the last two decades, no single result should ever be that shocking. The Titans really won games in Foxborough and Baltimore with 150 net passing yards combined in the year 2020. That, that's the NFL right there. They disrupted the NFL's best laid plans all season, robbed us of Ravens Chiefs in the AFC Championship, but they really outrushed the greatest rushing team in NFL history. And potentially, they're not done yet. And uh, as someone that's taken a little $41 on the uh, on the Titans, James, how are you feeling, buddy? I want them to get it done now. Like <laughs> I was surprised that the, the line went out that far, but it's just all about getting it done now. And it'll be wonderful to have a San Francisco-Tennessee Super Bowl, potentially, because of the NFC West bet that I also had about two months ago as well. Yep. Which I gave out on the pod. So yep. yeah, done very well. And uh, speaking of you know teams playing or playing badly off the bye, the Ravens and a team played very well off the bye, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we've got someone else who's coming off a bye week. Nick, I'm expecting a big pod from you today, fresh <laughs> off a bye week. Yeah, I'm all rested. I'm all rested, feeling great. I'm uh, ready for a big week. Ready for a big week? Oh, good. I'm, I'm excited, and I think we're on the same page today. So that means that that bodes well for me. Um, so divisional round. <laughs> can't, was, wait, can't wait to strap the helmet on. Yeah, divisional round was fun. Uh, was a fun weekend. Before we get to the to the betting recap, uh, you've got uh, you've got a message from uh, from one of our reviewers, Nick. Yeah, we had a great review on uh, on iTunes uh, last week uh, from UnPI, I think it is. These guys are great, always have numbers to back up the tips and love the direction of the podcast being more analytical than just betting this season. They don't always get it right, but what Tipster ever does still made me money and give me a greater depth of understanding of the game each week. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. That's, that's a great review. Love it. Uh, yeah. If you want bigger and better things next season, get us some more reviews, please, please, so that we can uh, we can go to the big boys and, and ask for some some more time and effort and resource to do this podcast next season. Yes, please send iTunes review, even if you don't listen to the show, because that guy clearly doesn't, because we've we've <laughs> never made a mistake at all on this podcast. We've been 100% right every time. 60% of the time, it works every time. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for the review. I really appreciate that, and uh, I think the direction of the pod this season's been great, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, let's talk betting recap last week. Underdogs obviously dominated wildcard round. They went 3-1 and one straight up, and against the spread. Uh, favorites even things up during this past weekend on the division round, going three and one straight up and against the spread. Ironically enough, it was Baltimore with the league leading best regular season record of 14 and two. That was the only favorite that failed to cover and became the first divisional round double digit favorite to lose straight up since my beloved 2008 Indianapolis Colts lost to the San Diego Chargers 28 24 as a 12 point favorite. I remember that, uh, day vividly. Um, and, uh, yeah, not a great, not a great day. But uh, between 2009-2019, NFL division around favorites of 10 or more were 7-0 and against the spread and won by an average of 19 points per game. So that was a kind of a big record-shattering performance by the Titans with their uh, 88 yards passing. Still crazy that they keep winning games like that. And then since uh, 2018, uh, 10 of 12 wildcard games have gone under the total. On the contrary, division around games have now gone over in 10 of the 16 occasions since 2017. And additionally, those divisional round games that had a total between 45 and 51. Six of the seven went over the total. So uh, that's that's where we're at. But uh, the, the one uh, the one body on this show, although we've been pretty good, we've been okay, we've been keeping afloat. But the stats inside a model, Nick, has been absolutely on favorite on fire. Yeah, it has. I think it went three and zip one week, two and one the other week, and uh, had a couple of juicy long shot bets that it got up as well. Obviously with the Titans, so it's. Uh... Yeah, really interesting to see what's got this week. Yeah, I mean the Titans money line was the long shot last week, and uh, there were some juicy odds right there. Uh, that that got out to to flat ten um, on game day, so that's uh, a p- pretty big price when you when you think of something. And you know, speaking of the Titans, um, are we underrating the Mike Vrabel cutting his own dick off narrative? Are we? Are we like? I'm going to get out the conspiracy. I'm going to just get into conspiracy corner. Welcome to conspiracy corner. Um, hear me out. I believe. Mike Vrabel's already cut it off, and this is a team of destiny type scenario. Are you with me, or or, well, are we, or am I the only one in conspiracy quarter? <laughs> so, so what he said, 
so if he's already done it, it means that he's made a deal with the devil. <laughs> because what he said was he would do it if it guaranteed a Super Bowl. Exactly. He didn't, I mean, say, he didn't say if they made the Super Bowl, he'd do it. He didn't say if they won the Super Bowl, he'd do it. He said he would do it if it guaranteed them yeah. a Super Bowl. The Ravens so, playing that badly just makes me think, yeah, he's already made the deal. It's, <laughs> it's been done. He, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady sold their souls to, to win Super Bowls, and, and Vrabel sacrificed something else. That's fine. I mean, well, look, he's, I think he's got. I think he's got kids. He's been married for twenty years. I mean, a he's, finger or a hand would have been fine, but you know, if you want to go Super down Bowls. that route, <laughs> hey, look, I think, I, I think anyone who's married for twenty years has probably had enough anyway. So, wow. what, what, does it, what does it matter? <laughs> yeah. he's, he's won three Super Bowls as a player. I think he wants one as a coach. He wants it really badly, obviously. Yeah. Really it's, badly. It's kind of funnier though because you need balls to be a good coach in this NFL. So. I, who knows? They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. True. That is very true. That's a strange image. And a- anatomically. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very strange image. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, but, uh, if you want to join me on Conspiracy Corner, tweet me at JYNFL. Um, maybe we should, I'll put it up on a poll. Has Mike Rabel already cut his dick off? Yes or no? I might put it up on, uh, Woot and Why. Um, okay. Quick news. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, he has uh, joined the Browns as, as head coach. He kind of looks like a more handsome version of Freddie Kitchens. I didn't realize that's what he looked like. <laughs> oh, I'd say significantly more. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I mean, it's 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 like yeah, Kitchens is if Stefanski let himself go, like and became like an alcoholic or something. That's what like Kitchens looks like. But uh, yeah, James, your thoughts on on this hire? After all this time waiting, that's who you go with the guy that uh, that laid an absolute egg in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I'm, I'm really glad you put this in, Josh. It's, it's problematic. We, we, we agree as a hire and they potentially could have gone elsewhere. But I know Nick shared this this week and it was from Kevin Stefanski's interview, which has also got a lot of, a lot of airtime regarding his thoughts on analytics. And I think whether we like the hire or not, I really actually loved his sort of one and a half minute take on what analytics is in terms of it being about information, not the correct answer. And I think this is a nuance or a little, a, a thing that's often overlooked in this sort of community of firing and, you know, I know more than you and this is the ultimate truth. It's about information. And whether he's right or wrong, I just like that approach, just trying to be smarter there is no hidden answer. There's no envelope that says analytics and you look inside and they give you all the answers to, to gambling or in-game theory. And I, I love the way he put it that way. So um, that was I'm, cool. I'm a bit concerned about the Browns and I don't think that would be a, a strange comment <laughs> from anyone at any point over the last 20 years <laughs> that someone's concerned about the Browns. But one of the things that, that I read was that uh, McDaniels was, was the favourite for the, for the job. Obviously, went in, had an interview, really impressed the Browns. But one of the things was that the Browns' ownership want a yes man. They want someone who's going to toe mm. the bloody line. And McDaniel's basically said, "I'm not going to do that. I, I want to do things the right way. I want oh, to do things." Funny that. Oh, he does have a he does have a yeah. uh, conscious. Well, well, there you go. But <laughs> uh, I mean, funnily enough, the Browns' ownership, as they've done plenty of times in the last two decades, have said, "No, we don't want to do things the right way. Mm. We want to do things our way." Which is our weird, the wrong way, unconventional way, <laughs> which often turns out to be the wrong way. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm concerned that because I actually think Stefanski is a pretty good coach, and I think that he'll do a decent job. But doing a decent job at Cleveland and doing a good job at Cleveland are going to be very different things. Um, and, and so I'm concerned about his job stability and and ability to stay in that role for more than I don't know 13 or 16 weeks, uh, <laughs> and the Browns' future once again. Yeah, uh, I I'm a bit lukewarm on it. Uh, I want to wait and see how it, it pans out and and what his highs are in terms of defensive coordinator and, and the like. So yeah, I, I mean I prefer it over McDaniel's. I don't I don't particularly think McDaniel's is a great coach. Uh, I just think he's been blessed under Bill Belichick and and Tom Brady for his entire career mostly. And when he has left them, he's been an unmitigated disaster. Um, tried to copy Spygate and horrendously got caught. Um, also just, so agree, ag- yeah, agreed to terms. Yeah. Again, yeah. Agreed to terms of the cult and then completely turned, which, which I, I, it's actually the best decision he's ever made. So, um, but still, still a snake. So, um, I think Stefanski, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, if you can fix Baker Mayfield, um, I would have preferred them to have a head coach that oversaw the whole place and then get a sp- special mm. offensive coordinator that can really focus on which Mayfield. Is what- which is also something Nick and I were speaking about earlier in terms of maybe that being a Mike Shanahan type kind of figure. Mm-hmm. Sort of an overseer, a, a sort a of deep, 
yes, uh, and, and a deep sort of ingrained <laughs> philosophy yeah. that can then delegate out. Yeah. And yeah, this totally seems puppet, puppet-like, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk Panthers here. Luke Keekley, uh, retired, uh, uh, shock retirement. That's another elite player retiring before the age of 30. Andrew Luck, obviously, at the start of the year. Uh, look, Keekley's had so many concussions, um, over the last two years, but, uh, you know, I think it's a, it was a sad decision. You could tell he, he really loves football and wants to keep playing, but, um, I think it's the right decision. Um, as, uh, I think Marshawn Lynch said, you gotta keep an eye on your, your chickens and, and your mentals. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is is quite funny, but it is such such a true statement in terms of, and I think it's a trend we'll see more and more happening. Uh, and I think Keekley's a, a surefire Hall of Famer. He's been a seven time All Pro. Him and Bobby Wagner over the last decade have been just the absolute cream of the crop at linebacker, and and have been phenomenal. So in in pretty much every facet, dropping into coverage, rushing the passer, tackling everything that they've just been unbelievably elite. So uh, any any thoughts on Keekley, guys? Seven-time All-Pro in eight years is yeah. incredible. Yeah. And you can see, you know, watching his statement and, and that video, how passionate he is about the Panthers organization yeah. and playing football. You know, he, he loves it. But I think you, you know, you, he knows, uh, and you could see that he knows watching that, that video, that the time is up and, and it's too dangerous. That the hits that he's had, uh, I don't know if anyone recalls that the time he got, he got hit and ended up on the cart crying, yep. sobbing. Because he just couldn't remember who he was, where he was, what he was doing. Uh, and, and that's not a good situation, especially someone who plays his position. But for anyone to, to be in that situation mentally, uh, it's just, it, it's not a good place to be. Uh, and good on him. Good on him for making the call and, and doing what must have been really difficult um, for his own health and his family and his well-being. Yep. Um, some other Panthers news, probably the best uh, Brady-related hiring that's going to happen this offseason. Uh, <laughs> Joe Brady enters the NFL again um, as offensive coordinator in Carolina under Matt Rule. Uh, James, I-, I like it. Do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know much about Joe Brady. I mean, he just, just, won, he just was the offensive, offensive coordinator or pass game coordinator for LSU that just... Uh, had yeah, probably no. one of the greatest college seasons of all time. Sure, but it was Burrow who was throwing the 60 touchdowns or whatever it was in the end. I mean, but at the same time, everything does seem to point to Carolina being actually fairly advanced and progressive with all of these hirings and pretty considered. So, oh, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a good hire, but I can't pretend to know how Joe Brady works. Yep. Uh, I like it's it. going to be really interesting to see what happens with the quarterback position in Carolina. Yeah, now. totally. Yeah. Now that those decisions have been made, what, mm. what happens now with Cam and Kyle and... Yep. Or someone else. Yeah. And speaking of Burrow, pretty much cemented his uh his yeah. number one pick. It's locked in. That card's already filled out. <laughs> There's a sense of mourning, isn't there, around the NFL community regarding Burrow going to Cincinnati? It's like everybody is penning letters. Oh, I don't... It's an amazing reward, isn't it? Amazing reward for breaking all the records, having an incredible season, and then having to go to Cincinnati. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I'm actually really excited to see that because, like, if he is as good as they think, this could be like a real turnaround type moment for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it's like. This is could be a franchise altering thing. Like, I don't know. I really like Burrow. I just think he just just seems so relaxed and just I don't know. There's something about him. I just think he's even when he's smoking a cigar. I just like just I just cool. want to be friends cool with that dude. guy. Yeah, he's mm. a cool dude, and he never seems to get frazzled. Uh, no, it's going to be really like I can't wait to watch it. I, I don't know who he's going to be throwing to, but uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. I think with with rule. And Brady and Burrow yep. all together. Someone he won't be throwing to, Larry Fitzgerald, returning to the Cardinals uh, in 2020. Uh, it's still, it's still solid this season. I just don't know. Um, I guess if they can get some more weapons around him, they're just using purely in the slot in certain situations. Um, but you know, he's still got an ageless wonder. Oh, just a legend, legend, probably one of the best I've ever seen in any yeah. sport and that kind of durability and that kind of production and that kind of personality as well. I, I love the guy. He's missed six games his entire career. Yeah. Wow. He's got the best butt in NFL history. <laughs> have you seen his butt? It's unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't noticed. In the tights, it's just, it's just, uh, Levitide shows talked about it a lot. They always talk about it a lot and they've interviewed his dad about it too. It's just, they just, they've noticed it's just perfectly round. It's just the perfect butt. Yeah. Must do a lot of squatting, but, uh, good on Larry. I mean, great guy. I've never really heard of too, too, too much bad things about him. Uh, all right. Uh, last week, lock of the week, Chiefs nine and a half. 
Never in doubt. Never in doubt. <laughs> what a win. 24 nil down and then to score 41 consecutive points. Um, it's quite unbelievable. I mean, the Titans upset was stunning, but I mean, that game was completely bonkers. Unbelievably wild. Um, the Chiefs stadium ran out of fireworks to, to release after every touchdown. That's how prolific they were. They had to put a sign up on the board. Um, and at 21, at 21 zip, the Texans had an 88% chance to cover the 10 point spread at the end of the first quarter. Um, and then obviously the chaos ensued. So we're, uh, 1-0-1-1, one, 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 uh, depending on when you got the bills, you potentially could have been 2-0 based on the locks of the week. So if you listen to this early, you can get, uh, get the early line. Um, so good job by us. Uh, best bets last week, we all kind of went either 500 or just below 500. We all had the Chiefs. Um, and then we kind of missed on various totals. Um, but Ida Henry, 100 plus rushing yards as a long shot win at $2.20. Uh, Nick, you had the Titans plus seven and a half as a long shot win? Uh, yeah, I had, I had them at the line. I think I also had a little play on the money line. But, yep. Uh, yeah, I can't remember much. I was out you were out of it. Yeah, I think you took like a, a different. Uh, you took an alternative point spread looking at the uh, total, uh, looking at the sheet last week. So I think that was around around two dollars plus there, just buying that extra or, or scaling it back to just over the, uh, yeah, the touchdown. Yeah, little exactly. Um, yep. And then yep. James, obviously uh, Seattle money line. Uh, yeah, all no the good. Seattle, all the Seattle dreams came crashing down in a abysmal kind of showing. But a terrible week for me all around. I, I, was, I was off on every game. The only one was was the Chiefs saluting, as we spoke about before. Like, I just read – well, I think everybody didn't read it's that weekend a, very well. I mean, Colin Cowherd is on an 0-10 roll through the playoffs. <laughs> into, and he, he talks to like three different professional punters and, and all sorts of people <laughs> in his role with uh, Fox Bet and everything. And he's on an 0-10 run. So, I mean, it's pretty funny. So, you know, like, if you think you're having a bad run at 1-2, and two, you could be 0-10. And, and, and what's, about, what's amazing with Cowherd, he really does speak as though he's on an 85 zip run through life. Yeah, kind yeah of thing. No, exactly. Yeah, in, in, in three years, he'll tell us that he went 10 and two this playoffs because that's like he doesn't he doesn't get anyone to fact check any of the stuff that he says i, I don't uh, listen this is not not against cow i mean i used to listen to no. him what happened for a couple of years but he's such a unique personality for radio i'll yeah. give him that much like, yeah truly unique. i couldn't do it being by myself for four hours a day but yes. I mean, he's slowly morphing into francesa territories but anyway um yeah which yeah speaking of seattle obviously let's talk biggest takeaways from divisional weekend and we'll start with you because uh, i assume you're going to talk about seattle yeah, it's, I can't stop thinking about them all week, to be honest. Game plan was deplorable. It was all season. It came back to bite them in the biggest spot of all in a game that I maintained was winnable. And we saw that even right at the end. They could have still won it because they've got a freak of a quarterback and a really unique offense, which I love about them. They're quick, they're speedy, yet they do dumb things all the time, such as two-yard handoffs. Const- I just, I can't get it. It blows my mind. This is why I picked against them. The coaching stuff is just adamant in establishing the run when they don't have a, a run game. It's fine establishing it's, it with Chris Carson and the ph- like. But. Phenomenal. Then, this is the thing. Why did they give, what was it, $180 million, or it was record-setting to Russell Wilson in the first place? What was the thinking? It's it's not a, you know, smash this in case of an emergency. You put yourself into these emergencies all the time. This is the most regressive kind of offense. You can, I'm not, like, I don't pretend to watch games and say, oh, I know what they're going to do, Tony Romo style. But honestly, you watch Seattle games, you know what they are doing. They are doing dumb handoffs that are going to be one or two yards up the middle every time and need to be rescued on third down. It's just, it's insane. And this is a massively blown opportunity for a franchise that, as I've said a billion times on this podcast, they do 95% right. And that 5% is so bad that it actually undoes the other 95%. Mm. And which is, which is leaving them with a really hollow resume. They could have won multiple Super Bowls over the last sort of 10 years. Maybe if you want to go back into, you know, 2005 as well. It's just, it's just, and when I had about 15 penalties in that Super Bowl, it's just this stupidity that is undoing a lot of good work. So if nothing else, new offensive coordinator is a must. Well, Seahawks, they, Seahawks Twitter have turned on, on Pete Carroll just today. About, see, like, this I, morning. Just, I woke up and it was it was all over the place. They're and I, I don't want to go a new as, head coach and all sorts. Yeah, I don't want to – we know what Sea, Seahawks Twitter is another entity altogether. Yeah, it's, it's savage. I, I don't want to go all the way in terms of to Pete Carroll, just an offensive coordinator. If there is no offensive coordinator change there, I promise, guys, I'll stop the Seattle 
Seattle bandwagon stuff. I'll, I'll <laughs> never mention them again because I can't, I can't, I can't con- in a good conscience support what they do on a football field. Can't. It's terrible. Yep. And it's funny that a lot of their games are the same. It's when they're down and abandon their original game plan, similar to the Texans, really, is when Russell Wilson's allowed to let loose, and that's why they always come back and they always, like, have these big fourth quarters. It's because, like, why don't you just do that from the start? Like, it just doesn't... That doesn't make it's, sense it's, to me. It's maddening. Also, just another thing, and this is some, they need to also reconstruct that defense. That defense is way too brittle. And we've, we've seen this over and over again. You can just get mauled and ran through. And on those big third down plays, what were Packers last week? Something like seven of 11 on third down. They were just picking their spots over and over again, which on hindsight, this whole punt situation that last quarter has made huge headlines. I at the time didn't mind it. I know it's analytically not great. On hindsight, though, you were just gambling on this defense coming up. You don't want to give your last chance of the season to a defense that has let you down all season, which was probably the thing of putting it in Russell's hands. So that needs to also be tended to. Whether that's a contract to Clowney, I don't know, but they need some muscle in there. Mm. Big time. Earl Thomas would have been great as an example. <laughs> True. Uh, Nick, what's your uh, big takeaway? Well, uh, everyone's astonished at, at this Titans run. Uh, and I'm like... Really? I'm going to go a bit Colin Cowherd. <laughs> so we told you so. Like I, I've, I've been spouting off on this Titans offense with Derrick Henry running rampage over the over the NFL for for you know the, the whole season really, and Ryan Tannehill for for the last two months. Tannehill, I know, hasn't done much during this postseason, but this Titans team, this Tennessee Titans team, is legit. And all three of us have said two months ago that if there was one team that the Baltimore Ravens didn't want to face in the playoffs, their one weakness, their one deficiency was their run defense. Uh, it, it would be the Tennessee Titans if they could get there and, and they had to get there and they worked to get there and they just got there. And guess what? They've run over the top of the Ravens. They've run over the top of the Patriots. So can they keep this magical run going? I, I think they probably can. Whether they will, I'm not sure. I, I'm actually betting against them this week. But, you know, that, <laughs> <laughs> anything if they get if everything goes to plan, it it could happen for them, and and we could be talking about the Tennessee Titans as Super Bowl appearance and potentially Super Bowl winner in a couple of weeks. Then this is just you know this is crazy, but we've been talking about this for for two months. Yeah, it's pretty pretty phenomenal, really. And then at the, at the time, and I'll I'll parlay this into my takeaway. So after the Titans did that, and then the Texans are up twenty four nil, I was in absolute. I was in the I was in a corner. I was about to I was in the fetal position. And all AFC South, AFC Championship, not involving the Colts. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, yeah, could you there. imagine that? Every everyone that's <laughs> shat all over the AFC South for the last two years, it would have just like just there would have been so much cult, you know, old takes exposed, just tweeting AFC South uh, hate, um, which was crazy. Mm. But I'd actually like. To, to take this opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, oh, sorry, I would love to take this opportunity to, to put more crap on Bill O'Brien, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to because I find the narrative around um, his decision to kick a field goal up 20, what, 21 yeah, 0. This be, is a good point, Josh. It's, to be unbe- it's unbelievably stupid. Would I have yeah. gone for it? Probably. I would have gone for it um, because you are playing against Pat Mahomes. Would I have gone for a fake, <laughs> fake pun in my own territory immediately after that? Probably not. I would have flipped those around. I would have gone for it then and then punted. Then, if that makes sense, I just think those two decisions were around the wrong way. But is it is is that really the the reason they lost? Like, let's let's blame those two play calls for forty one straight points scored against. As if all the players on the field don't matter. As if shut, shutting down the the game's best quarterback doesn't matter. They scored on eight consecutive drives. It was like putting a hot knife through butter. Like that, it's not that is not Bill O'Brien's fault. There needs to be some accountability on the players and. If anyone needs to blame, it is Bill O'Brien, the GM, because the defense, mm. the defensive yep. side um, was horrendous. And, you know, J.J. Watt came back and things like that. But do you know who they could have used? Jadavian Clowney. Like, it, it just seems crazy to me that that that, uh, that they're blaming those two decisions. Um, although they were probably the wrong decisions, they are nowhere near solely responsible for, for the way that that game unfolded. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually defending Bill O'Brien a little bit, but I still would in, fire him, but just quietly. In hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, I'm not sure JJ Watt should have played. You, oh, I mean, he won, he kind of helped them win their first game. I mean, he kind of yeah, rallied he them back against him, the Bills. Halfway through the second quarter, he was gassed. 
He was done. Yeah. He was down on his knees. He could hardly breathe. Mm. Uh, that literally about to snap the ball, and he was still down on his knees. Yeah. Uh, he clearly is not not fit to play. Nah. But, you know, that's uh, that's But he's JJ, JJ Watt. Watt. He's Superman. He's, he's Captain America, you know? Yep. just want to touch on the Ravens losing. I mean, uh, everyone's um, everyone's hammering Lamar Jackson, um, and I just think that's just unbelievably stupid. I mean, he's just going to come back and make you regret all your tweets again next season by playing the way he is. He's um, done it all year. He's made people regret what they said all year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just wasn't their day. Just things – and I'll, I'll touch on it a little it bit when we talk about the Titans. It just it just happens. There was a few key drops, a few few – Fourth down to conversions that didn't go their way. If they, if if you know, if they just complete half of those, if one of those drops doesn't happen, if one of those conversions happened, they probably score points and they go into halftime pretty much even and locked up. And it's a totally different ball game. They're just kind of not built to play from behind. And you know, there were some some decisions that Lamar made that you know a veteran quarterback doesn't normally make that that, that wouldn't make those decisions or or make those errors. And he'll learn. Like he's he's still like twenty three years old. Like it's just. It, it is crazy to me, and I you know people are bagging out John Harbaugh as well. I just find that to be unbelievably stupid as well. So look, they'll they'll come back better better than ever, I think, next season. Um, they'll add some they'll add some resources, and and you know they'll you know they all draft well. They do it every single year. So um, plus plus the resources they're keeping as well, such as Greg Roman. Yeah, that, such as heaps a, of cap room, such any, as heaps of draft. Yeah, yeah, they didn't lose a single coordinator, which is yeah. they go fourteen Amazing. and two and not lose and bring all your coaches back. That's yeah. that's a great that's a great turnover. Yeah, absolutely. If, if your hot take, you know, is just slamming into Baltimore, like that's a really troublesome sort of approach to yeah. what was a 14 and two season and an MVP. They were wonderful this season. Yeah. Changed the game in many respects as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, absolutely mental. Yeah. Absolutely exactly. mental. And, and the qu- quarterback playoff wins narrative. I mean, Tannehill's oh, 2 yeah. and 0 and he's thrown for 88 well, yards and 72 yards in a game. Yeah. Like, come on, let's settle down. Just, this is the thing, you know, not to, there's so many different ways to win. Like, and, and, and the big lesson as well, let's all change the way, like, let's be open to all different styles as well. Like this idea, yep. like you bring out these old cliches. It's just, yeah. it's embarrassing. Like staying in the pocket. And then they link this to Kaepernick as well when Greg Roman was in San Francisco and said, like, see, they never got it done either. Oh, I mean, <laughs> they were, they were on inside the red zone to win the, Abs- to win the absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yeah, also, it takes some of the credit away from the Titans and what they were able to do as well, which yeah. I think is, yeah. they were amazing. Yeah. Which was, and that's exactly right, Nick. Like people are looking and this is all sports, all society, if you want, like just for that gotcha moment, that, kind of, oh, you know, how horrendous. You should all be sacked type thing. Shit happens as well. Like, this yeah. is intense competition at the highest yeah, level. It's a one-game sample size in sport. Absolutely. That's, that's why that's March Madness is crazy. That's how you get 16 hey, hey, scenes beating number one seeds in, hey, in and March you look Madness. At it. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was so. It's brilliant you mentioned that because one of the thing, one of the pieces I most like referenced the Virginia two years ago when they went down to UMBC in that yep. first round and the way they rallied behind Tony Bennett afterwards because that's a really good organization as well. Same thing here, you know. It's yep. it's yep. maddening. It's, it's it's also wonderful as, yeah, as it's well. Yeah, part of like, makes, is, what makes the NFL playoffs so fun. Whereas yeah. NBA, you get those seven game samples. And normally, like nine times out of ten, the best team wins. It, it kind of yeah. gets a little bit boring sometimes. Well, that was the quick the quick thing I was going to say. Like twice this year, guys, we had the Patriots odds on AFC favorites for about half the year, and the Ravens odds on AFC favorites for the second half of the year. You think about the odds of that happening, and then both crumbling, not even making the conference championship. Yep. That's crazy. Bring on 2020 season, yeah. you know, 21 <laughs> season as well. Like, let's, let's do it. Uh, from right. so many perspectives. Yeah, that's it. Uh, all right, conference weekend. One interesting trend to note before we get into the games. Though there hasn't been a clear against the spread advantage for the home team, which is obviously the better seed, in the conference title games over the last decade, we should note that over the last 20 years, there's been 13 conference title matchups with a spread of seven points or greater, which is happening in both these games. The underdog is 10-3 and three against the spread in that stretch. Most recently, the Jaguars covering in Foxborough two years ago, and they should have won if they didn't call that Miles Jack fumble dead. Just another... The concept just, of that... The yeah. concept of that right now is just crazy. Yeah, it is. It, exactly. This is where we're at. Yeah, this is this is going to be the Titans in two years. You know, like Tannehill turns into a pumpkin again, and we're all like, okay, yep. Remember the Titans? Remember that run? That was fun. Um, but yeah, the Jags. I mean, good job by uh, on by Barry on that uh, fumble recovery to to blow it dead and and win the game and and, and ultimately get them to the Super Bowl. Um, all right, let's talk uh, conference. AFC Championship game is first. Uh, we've got. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, against Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. 7 a.m. Monday morning here. Chiefs minus seven and a half 
The total is 52 and a half here. Uh, this is uh, this is a tough one. It's a tough game to to look at. They obviously they obviously played each other uh, back in week nine. Um, although Tennessee here with a win, this would be four straight weeks that they've beaten all four AFC division winners on the road. So they beat the Texans in week seventeen, the Pats, the Ravens, and now the Chiefs. It's a pretty unprecedented run um, if they win this game. But for me, like the outset, this line kind of looks off. Uh, KC were nine and a half point favorites last week against the worst Texan team and coming off a bye. They now face a better coach team without a bye and the line's only two points different. It just seems a little bit crazy. I think the Titans are just about better than the Texans in every facet, except maybe quarterback, but the gap isn't really that big between Watson and the way that Tannehill's playing. Do, do you guys agree just on that, on that principle looking at the line in that, mm. in that regard? Absolutely. Yeah, I talk about yeah, it. It's a good point. And, James, I think we spoke about it earlier in the week. Is it? Yeah, yeah. looked a little out as a bit of a an over exaggeration. Yeah, uh, based on on last weekend. Yeah, so two years ago, these teams met at Arrowhead in the playoffs, and KC was seven and a half point favorite. And I'll give you the one reason the Ch- the Titans knocked the Chiefs Chiefs off twenty two to twenty one. Um, if you guessed Derrick Henry, you'd be correct. One hundred and fifty eight <laughs> rushing yards and a touchdown. Titans obviously come in better equipped here with uh, Vrabel instead of Mike Malarkey. Massive upgrade. Um, although Rabel, uh, in Malaki might still have his schlong. Um, Tannehill, um, uh, obviously a lot better than, uh, Mariota. But the Chiefs obviously have, have upgraded massively as well. Um, in a little guy called Patrick Mahomes. Um, but more recently, these two teams fought in week nine. Titans won that game 35-32. It was Mahomes, uh, first game back from that, uh, dislocated knee and he still had a monster day. He had three touchdowns, 400 yards. But also Henry had a massive game. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry while rumbling for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so while KC dominated time of possession, 38 minutes to 22, and converted 50% of its third and fourth downs, Tennessee's defense actually, it bent, and it didn't completely break. It forced the Chiefs to settle for four field goals, and they're going to have to do that again this week if they, they have any chance, because I do think the Chiefs are going to put up uh, 30 points here, and if they can force them to settle for field goals, they're definitely a chance. Um, so that's that's something to consider. I do want to mention that the KC run defense, yes, it's had its problems this season, finished 26th in the league against the run, 29th in rushing DVOA. It has improved a little bit since that, that game against the Titans, um, but it's going to have its hands filled again, especially if Chris Jones is inactive. So that's definitely one to watch, and I'm going to wait until the inactives before I make any play on the line here because I think Jones is easily Kansas City's best defensive player and a huge part of the game plan. To shut down Derrick Henry, um, it's it's highly unlikely that Tannehill's going to escape another playoff game with throwing for fewer than twenty pass attempts or a hundred passing yards. Um, so they're really going to have to be multifaceted this week. I've got a question for both of you guys: um, Are we worried at all about any fatigue with Derrick Henry? He's carried the ball a lot, ninety-six times in his past three games. That's spread over four weeks because he did miss week seventeen. But yeah, it's it's that's a lot of carries and wear and tear on the body. Are you guys concerned at all about the about him? No, not really. I think I think he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, I think he's a beast. I think his his greatest asset is his ability to keep going and, and push through when everyone else is tired, when everyone else is fatigued. Uh, I, I think he's a beast. I don't. I'm not. I'm yeah. not concerned about Henry in that regard. Probably wouldn't have been too concerned if it wasn't. Maybe I would have had some concerns if it wasn't the KC. Rush defense this week. Okay. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, since that week, like week nine loss though, the Chiefs they've been on a rip and tear. They're six zero and one against the spread, so they've just been unstoppable, really. And look, I, I talked about this a while ago. While beating the Ravens on the road is very impressive, I do have some slight concerns about it. They only had two drives that went over thirty six yards. But like that, that's pretty concerning. I mean, like yes, yeah, they scored twenty eight points, but a lot of it was given to them on a platter. Um, and you know, apart from a, a big. Derrick Henry run. That was a lot of their drives were were nothing were really like it was two drives over thirty six yards, and then the Ravens had drives that ended at the Titans thirty six, thirty one, four, eighteen, thirty one, fifteen, sixteen, and twenty one. All those drives, and they finished with twelve points. How often is that going to happen? Um, that's twelve points with all those drives finishing in Titans territory. The Ravens went zero two on fourth and one, despite being eight and eight on the season from that spot. So just just a little bit lucky, and and the Titans turned three Ravens turnovers into twenty one points, and the Chiefs are only one uh, are one of only three teams to average fewer than one turnover 
per game. So they're not going to get gifted sort of that field position and, and plays on a silver platter like that from the Chiefs. Although the Ravens were going into it with very few turnovers as well. And um, the Titans did enough to force it and, 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 and potentially they could do the same, but I just don't know if they're going to have the same same chance. And this Chiefs' incredible passing offense yielded points in eight consecutive drives and should have no issues again against the 21st-ranked DVOA passing defense of the Chief, uh, of the Titans. There's no defense for, for some of the throws that Mahomes makes, and the Titans' lack of consistent pass rush is is likely to show up this week. The Titans averaged 33.4 points over the last seven games of the regular season, and that's the type of number that I'll need to, to pull off another upset, as I'm expecting about 30-plus again from the Chiefs. That's why I like the over. Over 52.5 here. The, the Titans' strengths rushing. The Chiefs' weakness is rushing defense. The Chiefs' strengths is passing. The Titans' weak, weakness is passing defense. The result shall be points. KC have played AFC South teams five times this year, and the totals in four of them were 55, 66, 67, and 82. Nine of the last 12 Titans games have gone over, and then playoff games in the in the Mahomes era, they averaged 65 points. I love a shootout. Got no idea on the line. Um, I love the Chiefs, but I'm not betting against this Titans run. It kind of reminds me of the, the Foles-Eagles Super Bowl run team of destiny a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm going to sit on the fence here and just cheer for points. So I'm going to take the over 52.5. Uh, Nick, what have you got? Yeah, like, like you, you spoke about, Kansas City 29th against the run. The run is what the Titans do. Uh, for reference, the Ravens were ranked 19th against the run coming into, into their game last week. Uh, so Derrick Henry is clearly, I mean, he's the man. They're going to they're gonna feed him all day. His, his last eight-week stretch is the most dominant of any running back in, uh, in, in the NFL since Adrian Peterson won the MVP in 2012. Two, 203 carries, 1,273 rushing yards, 6.27 yards per carry, and 11 touchdowns in eight weeks. Hmm. Uh, Plus he threw one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, this is, this is dominant, dominant stuff from a running back. And, and just for, for reference sake, Adrian Peterson won the MVP that year. Uh, and is the last non-quarterback to win the MVP. So that's the car. He shouldn't have won that, that year, though. Well, that's the, that's the type of company that, that Derrick Henry's in right now. Yep. Um, Tennessee, as you said, ranked 21st in pass defense, and, and coming up against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense, number two in, in DVOA offense. Uh, both teams are actually in the top five for, for weighted offensive DVOA, um, which just indicates how ruthless both these teams have been with with possession, you know, with the ball in the second half of this year. Hmm. Uh, it's going to be an incredibly fun matchup. I think uh, I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, I, like I said earlier, I'd, I'd love the Titan story to continue. Uh, the team of destiny, yeah, as as you said, Josh. But I'm not sure. I think I think the Chiefs are peaking just at the right time. You know, Mahomes had that game against the Titans when he came back from the knee, uh, but he had had a couple of down weeks. He had a, a probably a down month after that. Uh, just trying to get back into match fitness. I think the Chiefs' offense were a bit down for about a month or so after that. I think they're peaking right at the right time. And I think defensively they have an advantage. Uh, you know, they're ranked 13th in weighted defense. Uh, Titans are 20th in that metric. Mahomes, as we know, is is an elite quarterback. Probably, you know, he's the elite quarterback in terms of passing the ball in, in the NFL, regardless of whether Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, which he probably will, he probably should. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think the Kansas City receiving core is going to be the difference. Uh the Chiefs are going to are going to make that Super Bowl appearance uh, that they deserved last year. Uh, like like we said a bit earlier, I think the line is a little exaggerated. We spoke about it during the week. Thought it should be around the four and a half, five and a half point mark. Uh, so I am leaning Tennessee at the plus seven and a half. But I, I really think that these two explosive offenses, the Chiefs put their foot down. Uh, they want to be there in a couple of weeks' time. Derrick Henry runs the, the Kansas City defensive line in submission. This game's built for points. It could be one of the games of the year offensively. Uh, great to watch. So over 52.5 is, is the play for me. Uh, as you said, Josh, the last matchup between these two teams in week nine ended 35-32, 67 points. I can see a really similar scoreline here this week. So the over is, is the play. But as I said, leaning Tennessee at the line. But uh yeah, over 52. Yeah, guys, I absolutely support your overplays as well, by the way. You know, I'm not an under and over guys, but those are really compelling arguments and they sort of speak to where I'm coming from this game as well. So Josh, you also mentioned sort of 30 figure and it's something you have to consider with Tennessee. So six times this season, they've actually been able to produce 30 or more points. They've won all six of those games. One of those was against the Chiefs 
what about a month ago, just over a month ago, which they won and which they gashed the Chiefs to 225 on the ground. So we know they can do it. We don't usually associate run-heavy teams with high scoring, but like so many things in the NFL season this this year, we're being forced to evaluate everything we thought we knew. So what's propelling this outlandish and all of these outlandish Tennessee Titan offensive feats of late outside of what we know Derrick Henry is doing, is this otherworldly red zone conversion. They've converted 78% of their red zone trips this season, which is which is actually when you actually step back, that is an off-the-charts number. Some, so I look back probably over the last sort of 15 years of data to be in the high sixties is immense in that character, in that, in that category. To be at 78% is just that sort of greatest show on turf type numbers, you know. Yep. The, the next best this season that was closest to that was Green Bay at 66%. So to see such a discrepancies between the very best and the next best, you have to go all the way back to the 03 Chiefs along with the 07 Chargers as well. And who two teams like Tennessee had Phenom running backs in Priest Holmes and yeah, yeah. and Nathaniel Thomason as well. Unfortunately, well, for those teams, they didn't do much in the postseason. So this is where sort of Tennessee are defining expectations. So for me, it's what Tennessee do in those situations and where the, this particular game might be run and won. First, can the Titans get themselves in those, into those advent, advantageous field positions like you spoke of, Josh, which was beneficial of turnovers? And second, can they convert once they're there? If we can answer those questions in a affirmative, then the second part is, can Mahomes be stopped, which is what Nick spoke about as well. And I absolutely agree, probably from a passing perspective, he does things that just, you know, no one can stop. Um, and certainly the Texans couldn't do that last week. Yet, there is this kind of bend but don't break. It's another cliche aspect of this Titans defense. Ravens put up 500 yards on them last week, but it was those critical turnovers. They came up with a couple of them. Chiefs did the same thing when the Titans beat them a few weeks ago. Over 500 yards, Mahomes kind of doing what he wants, um, but they still got it done when it mattered. So I think this game is going to come, is, is going to be really close, a lot closer than the, the sort of seven point seven and a half uh, line is suggesting. And to give the cliche, but it's going to come down to those big moments and big decisions, which as cliched as that is, that should be the case at this stage of the season where talent has already revealed itself. And this is the time of the year where that 1% stuff actually thrives. The coaching, the special teams, certain plays, certain turnovers. That, that to me is what this game is going to come down to. So for me, I think Titans can cover, maybe even salute and land my biggest sort of long shot of the season, but we'll see, see what's, see what's happening. So yeah, I think it's going to be a huge game. Celebration in the Stats Insider office if the $41 long shot gets up, James. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It will be. Hopefully our meeting doesn't correspond with that particular finish. <laughs> sure, you just take the chase here and uh, sit back and put your feet up. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to play. Probably something in play like KC I did last week, which was really beneficial. My best sort of in-game performance of the year, sort of hitting at that 5-5-50 mark against Texans. I don't know if I'm going to yeah. be as lucky to get that price or if Titans can get out to that kind of lead, but yeah. we'll see. I can never be bothered betting in play. I hate ringing up. It's just it's hard. It's yeah. It's just a pain. Um uh, but yeah, good you could see that you could see that coming a mile away, so good good call. Um it took a long time for them to get out to that price. I mean even when they were down fourteen nil they were still favoured. Um the the, the Chiefs said so no one really believed in, in the it Texans. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I remember even and James you, you might recall chatting through that game and I, I think I said something like if any if any quarterback's gonna put up twenty eight points in a quarter it's Pat Mahomes. And then he goes up and puts 28 points up in 12 minutes yeah, uh, over two quarters. But, you know, it's, it's still – phenomenal, really. Like, it's just so <laughs> expected. You just expected him to do it. Yeah. yeah. Freak. Freak. Yeah, freak. Um, all right, any final thoughts on that one before we move over? No? Nothing is well covered. And, yeah, I do. I like that uh, – Overs call by you guys as well. I think it's gonna get gonna happen. Okay, let's uh, let's do it. Uh, Green Bay at San Fran, 49ers minus seven and a half. Total is forty five. Time is ten forty a.m. on Monday morning for us here. Uh, yeah, this 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 game. It's uh, it's a little bit easier, I think, to to break down than uh, than Tennessee Kansas City, just because of the result that the, the game that they played um, back back in November, but. Uh, Looking at the, at all the teams left, the Packers kind of are uh, kind of the outlier. Um, they finished the regular season with the, with a yards per play differential of minus zero point three. 
um, and largely because only 10 teams in the league gave up more yards per play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that sub, subpar number stands in stark contrast to the other three remaining teams. 49ers owning a strong 1.3 yards per play differential, while the Chiefs plus 0.8 and Titans plus 0.7 are well on the positive side of zero as well. Weighted DVOA metric from Football Outsiders isn't really impressed with Green Bay either. Um, as the Packers' uh, number of 3.3, which is 15th, ranks well below that of the Chiefs, Titans, and 49ers, who rank 3rd, 4th, and 5th, respectively, with weighted DVOAs between 30 and 40. So the Packers, they're clearly the weakest team left in the playoffs, looking at the numbers. But with the NFL, we've seen stranger things. And with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, nothing is out of the you know the slightest realm of possibility here. So while a Green Bay win would, wouldn't, would shock me probably more than a Titans win, it's definitely not that crazy to me we've seen we've seen bigger upsets in the nfl um, these two teams met back in november with the 49ers destroying the packers 37 to 8 the result of that game really started kind of the major doubt of the packers by by the masses in, including me and i think uh i think this whole show was kind of on board with who the packers had, who, who they had actually beaten um but you know you know eight weeks later they're in the nfc title game so you know this match. This matchup won't be that one-sided. I think if Aaron Rodgers plays near the level that he showed against the Seahawks last week, I know, and I'll get, I'll get to it a little bit later. That the, the Seahawks play calling was it was nowhere near that of the forty what the Forty Nineers are capable of. But Rodgers didn't miss a single throw over ten yards against the Seahawks and was almost flawless on third down. He averaged close to ten yards per attempt through the ball. He was vintage Aaron Rodgers and he played he played very very well. Um, and the Packers O line. This is the key matchup for me right now in this game, is the Packers O-line against the 49ers D-line. The Packers O-line, which should have Brian Balaga back from illness, should be able to compete with the 49ers' ferocious front far better than what Minnesota or Seattle have done in their recent matchups. Um, they're going to need to be incredibly strong because the 49ers D-line with Quan Alexander back and D Ford back were unbelievable last week. Kirk Cousins only dropped back to pass 35 times and uh, they had six sacks and 17 recorded pressures for the 49ers' defense. That's impressive as hell. So more than half the time that he dropped back, he was under pressure or getting sacked. It's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. And in the 49ers' front cooks like that, it requires you know the opposing quarterback to make plays out of structure. And that's kind of where the mobile quarterbacks that that hurt the 49ers this year, you know, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson thrive because they, they can, they can move and, and maneuver and, 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 and break off with their legs. Kirk Cousins couldn't do that. He was not up to the task. Maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers can be, but he's not as mobile as, as Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson or, or Josh Allen, you know, so we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see whether he's up, up to the task, but the 49ers completely shut down Dalvin Cook last week. He had 18 yards on nine carries and pretty much said, to, to the Vikings, beat us through the air, beat us with Kirk Cousins. They could they could employ the same strategy here, but they're not going to have as much success against Aaron Rodgers because, you know, it he's obviously a much much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. But still, when you look at that, the results last week are incredible. Even if Rodgers plays twice as good as Kirk Cousins, they're still going to struggle because the, the the Vikings only reached the red zone once last week. Apart from Diggs' 41-yard touchdown pass, the rest of their plays, the, the Vikings produced 3.9 yards per play on offense, and the 49ers won time of possession 39-21. to 21. And after the Matt Breida fumble, I think that the Vikings only finished with five first downs, like across a quarter and a half uh, late in that game. So it's pretty nuts. Um, Devontae Adams obviously went bananas last week, and he... and. Uh, and is Rogers kind of only reliable receiver, receiver, but he'll um he'll have a tough one against what I think is one of the greatest playoff quarterbacks we've ever seen in Richard Sherman. If you look up Richard Sherman's postseason numbers, he is unbelievable in the postseason. He backs himself. He's full of confidence, and and a lot, of, a lot of people hate him. Yeah, I mean Crabtree's <laughs> career was over because of Richard Sherman, basically. Um, it, it's. Sherman's unbelievable. So Sherman lined up against Devontae Adams on 16 of his 35 routes back when they played, 40% of the center times. He had one reception for seven yards on two targets. So Rogers just avoids Richard Sherman. So he's inside of his head. So uh, looking at the other side of the ball, I think the Titans, we could see a, a, a Titans-like approach from the 49ers, like minimal passing, loads of rushing. Packers are 23rd against the rush in DVOA, and the 49ers were second in, in the league in running the ball. So it's just a perfect matchup for them. They looked great last week. Tevin Coleman looked fantastic. He had 105 yards on 22 carries and two scores. And and him and Mostert both averaged 4.8 yards 
a rush last week. Um, as the San Fran O-line manhandled the Minnesota front, which that Minnesota front destroyed the one of the best in the Saints the week previous. So it, it's just kind of just these things that the 49ers are doing so well just on the offensive line and defensive line of the ball, really strong in the trenches, built to win postseason football games. The one area that the Packers can make up ground is is in the red zone, and you touched on the Packers before it being second in the NFL, James, uh, and they rank in the top eight at scoring touchdowns and preventing touchdowns. They're second in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So that's something that they could potentially do if they can hold San Fran to, to field goals and, and, and thrive in the red zone. That's something they could do to potentially cover. Um, look, last week, in, and James mentioned this as well, the play calling from Seattle was awful in the first half. But then when the Seahawks figured out what they could do against the Packers, they started to exploit it and, and really came close to winning that game. They they dug themselves just too big a hole. Um, this is a completely different kettle of fish facing this team, facing this coaching staff, facing this this roster, this offensive line, this defensive line. It's just it's just too big. It's just too much. And I think despite you know being the first, despite this being the first time the Packers have been road dogs of seven or more points since October 2018. I'm going to take the 49ers, minus 7.5. I, I lean over 45 as well. The total's gone over in six of Green Bay's last seven January road games. Five of the Niners' last seven home games have gone over with an average combined score of 54 points. And the total's gone over in seven of the last ten matchups between these teams with an average combined score of 52. Um, so I'm going to take the over 45. Um, it is funny that the over's gone in six or seven of six or seven Green Bay's last road uh, January road games because... Um, that's been the story of Aaron Rodgers' career is like he'll, he'll put up 30 points and their opponents will always score like 35 and that's how he generally exits the playoffs, unfortunately. Um, so they finally have a good defense, but I just don't know if the offense is going to be up to the task here. I, I hope for hope's sake that, that Rodgers does play well, but I, I think the 49ers are going to be too strong. These two teams offensively, both teams are top 10 DVOA. Niners rate higher passing. I think they're ranked eighth. Packers are 11th. And Green Bay have the advantage on the ground. Uh, as you mentioned before, they're fourth to the, the 49ers, uh, 13th rated rushing offense. I think where the biggest impact will be felt is on, on the defensive end. When they don't have the ball, San Francisco are the number two defense in the competition. Packers middle out at just 15. Uh, I'm going to channel you, Josh, here. Uh, are we sure that the Packers are any good? Uh, I, <laughs> I just, I honestly, I, and it's strange to say, you know, when we're talking about the NFC Championship game, but I just don't think that they're that good. Uh, I think they had a charmed run at, at the end of the regular season to, to win the NFC North and, and, you know, did enough for a first round bye. But then they only had to face the Seahawks. And, and sorry, James, I know you're not going to like it. The Seahawks are good, <laughs> but they're not elite anywhere other than quarterback. They're, they're deficient in, in so many areas. I agree, I agree with it. Bottom half in, in both pass and, and run defense and special teams. It, yeah, coaching, Pete Carroll, coaching matters. We, we've talked about it time and time again. Coaching matters. Uh, and, and so the, the Packers, I think they've, they've had the best possible run they could get to get to this point. The Niners, the San Francisco 49ers, and, and I challenge almost anyone to say, did you predict that they'd be here uh, at this point? Yeah, good point. The, the San Francisco 49ers deserve to be in the Super Bowl after the season they've had. Matt LaFleur has done a remarkable job rebuilding this Packers franchise that they were a middling, irrelevant, also-ran franchise with an outdated coach, an over-the-hill quarterback. And, and now they're a team that competes in and out. You know, they compete hard each and every week. And at times we've even seen glimpses of, of you know, MVP Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers of old. You can never count him out and you can never bet against him, you know, putting up that moment of magic. But the San Francisco 49ers will be in the Super Bowl. The Packers have scored 20 or more points in six straight. Their last game under 20 points was against the Niners in San Francisco, where they could only muster eight. And incidentally, in that game, the Niners scored 37. So it was still a push at, at the, the, the over-under of 45. And they've only scored less than 20 points three times all season. The Niners have scored 22 or more in five straight. Uh, only three times all season they've scored less than 22. San Francisco will win. San Francisco will cover and it will go over 45. Pretty confident about that. <laughs> I, I agree with you in terms of San Francisco look like an absolute force and deserves all the plaudits they're getting. And I certainly didn't see this coming at all. I thought they'd go under eight and a half wins on the season. So this is a, this is a team that's in, in, in league best form at the moment. I thought a stat of the last week of all of the divisional round was San Francisco dialing up rush plays on 30 of their last 36 plays. 
We talked about that in terms of coming into that game against Minnesota, that the game might be won in, in the, in the trenches. Um, and you look at what San Francisco uh, did against Minnesota, they just rolled and plowed right through that Vikings D, which actually has had been a top 10 D all year and is certainly better than um, the, the, what, what Green Bay are going to be offering as well in whatever metric you want to consult. Question is, can the Packers do anything whatsoever about that red, yellow and gold wave, which the NFL world has come to know and I suppose love this season because it's, it, it, it's quite a different kind of throwback. They're actually, during that broadcast last week, Someone mentioned that it was there was a little bit of um, uh, Shanahan Denver late nineties type stuff with Terrell Davis, John Elway kind of thing, and, and hammering home that sort of physical advantage that they absolutely has had. Um, as you guys noted, the Packers are twenty third against the rush all, all season. Even the Seahawks, for as sort of boneheaded as they are when they are running the ball, they put up more than a hundred against the Packers last week. And and we know that San Francisco is bringing a much much more nuanced sort of run package to the table than what Seattle can Seattle uh, bought uh, Green Bay rather. If, Jim, if if Jimmy G can keep his head, and I, I don't think the the Packers will be able to keep this close unless, and this is what sort of both of you guys have, have, have touched upon, unless Rogers has another stunning performance up his sleeve. He came into that much that much last week in really bad form, middler passing, middling passing rating, getting very little production through the air. It was on about six, six and a half over that last month, and then he exploded last week, made mince meat of that Seattle D, and in the biggest of moments too. Again, though, that was a Seattle defense ranked 18th overall. This San Francisco defense, different beast entirely, which is number two in the in the competition, and finally last week got that multi turnover game on defense that. We've been waiting for, yeah. which was a product of dialing up six sacks because they were fresh and they were in menacing form. It was like it was, it's, it's, it's as though this campaign has actually been tailored for now. Um, and I don't know how the Packers offensive line is going to handle that. So for me, as long as Jimmy G doesn't lose his head, he doesn't do anything silly. He hasn't really all year. He's posted, he's been, he's reasonably excellent to be honest. And as long as Rogers doesn't do anything, you know, unforgettable, which would be like an historic performance I'm talking about. I think the 49ers land this plane safely and get out of here with a double digit win. Yeah. It is, uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I don't know that I probably should have looked this up, but when teams kind of rematch in the regular season, it, I wonder what, what if there is a reversal of results when they rematch in the playoffs. Just um, over time, I, yeah. there's some no, interesting numbers to look at because um, you know Rogers. I've heard him on an interview this week say that they really know what went wrong. It was obvious what went wrong to them last time they played, so it was a massive learning experience for them. Um, so it's 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 interesting, and, and the, we've got the little two Lafour brothers going up against each other, Matt and Mike. Um, so we've also got two Jimmy G's in this game, which is. Uh, it's a little bit of a trivia for for all involved. So, um, if if the Packers Jimmy G has a big game, then uh, potentially a bigger game than the other Jimmy G, then we might be looking at a, a Lafleur Bowl if the if the Titans can sneak through as well. Well, I think if if the Packers Jimmy G has a big game, then that means Aaron Rodgers is going to have a big game. Yep. So, you know, anything can happen at that point. Yeah. Who, who's going to be that next receiver if, if if Richard Sherman does shut down? And that's where I can't keep coming back to. Who's who's going to step up and be that number two guy for Aaron Rodgers? Because I mentioned Jimmy G as a joke, but he hasn't been Jimmy G. He hasn't been Jimmy Graham for for a while, right. and the the rest of the receivers are just a ragtag bunch of 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 just kind of random dudes. There's no real. There's no real safe targets there. There's Allison Jerome Allison had a massive third down catch, which yep. is. In that sort of times when Seattle's knife was being plunged into Seattle's heart, he stepped up big on one of those occasions. But you're right, the, the, the Devontae Adams sort of dependency mm. is huge. Yeah, and you just look around at the other other shoe, and you know if Green Bay can shut down San Fran's run game, kind of like what they shut shut down Seattle's last week, despite you know it being a guy called Travis Homer and, and fresh off a tequila to a <laughs> um, Marshall and Lynch. We can't um, get over that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, you still got Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. It's just, you know, it's just, there's so much, there's just so many ways that San Fran can beat you. And, um, it's pretty phenomenal this, that this team is so good and that their win line really was at, at least set at eight and a half. When you look at this team, um, it, it is funny how far they've come given the preseason expectations that, that were, that, that were there. All right. Um, lock of the week. 
San Fran minus seven and a half or the over in Tennessee, Kansas City? What are we feeling? What are we more confident in across the board? Oh, I love both of them. I love both. <laughs> I like the overs. I like that. That that's that talk as well. Yeah. Um, I'm probably more confident in taking a total than um, a, a, a favorite over a, over a touchdown in a playoff game. <laughs> Just personally, as much as I love Seattle, uh, San Fran, but um, keep an eye out because that San Fran number's trickling down. Uh, San Fran minus seven and a half at two bucks, so that could go to a flat seven, which um, you know at, at worst could give you a push potentially. Um, but yeah, I think maybe over over fifty two and a half might be the way to go then. Um, in the, in the Chiefs. Chiefs Titans game. All right. So there we have Lock it. Lock it in. Lock of the week. Over fifty two and a half. Chief Chiefs Titans. Uh let's go to best bets. Uh James, what have you got for us? Yeah, I think the Titans can cover. I think San Francisco can cover. But weirdly, we've only got two games, but tough. I'm not seeing heaps of angles. I'm just going to enjoy the games. Yep. Uh Nick, what have you got? Uh yeah, Titans, Chiefs over fifty two and a half. Niners minus seven and a half line and Packers. Niners over 45. Uh, and then long shot of the, the double. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks since I had a double on the double. So the Niners line <laughs> and over 45, you can get 320. Shop around. Wow. There we go. 320. That's pretty mm. nice. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for, I'm going to keep my eye out on this San Fran line. Hopefully get it at flat seven. Um, and then I'll be in on that. So it's a little, uh, asterisk next to that. Um, I'm just going to wait. I'm not as confident at the seven and a half as, as you guys. Um, and, but I, I do love the over 52 and a half Tennessee Kansas City game. I just think there's going to be points. Um, and it should be, should be a fun game. Um, uh, my long shots, Tyreek Hill, 100 plus yards at $3.30. Um, you can find that at some places. Uh, he had 157 the last time he played against the Titans. And I think he's in for a, in for a big game. Um, so, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, great player. Horrible bloke, but you know, get a bet on him. Uh, <laughs> that's that's where we're at. Um, and the stats insider model, as we said, three no during wildcard week, two and one last week, divisional round. Also hit the Titans money line as well. Um, what's what's on offer here on the stats insider website for uh, for the model, Nick? Yeah, not much at the moment as as we record this on a, a Thursday afternoon. No official plays as yet. A uh, little bit of a, a nibble on a, a long shot again. Tennessee money line is a, a three percent edge. No, no official play. Uh, that still only takes the Titans probability of thirty percent. So okay. still favors still favors the Chiefs at seventy percent. But uh, there's a little bit there, and, and you know, should a line move something happen, then then there could be something there. But worth checking back over the next couple of days. Before the game, uh, just as kind of more official news comes out, uh, and as the line fluctuates as it tends to do over the weekend, uh, keep an eye out and, and check back. Yeah, definitely. The way that the model's been, it's been the most consistent performer out of on the show uh, for the playoffs. So I definitely recommend heading heading to statsinsider.com.au slash NFL and checking that. You know, Sunday night or or Monday morning, we get a little bit of a sleep in seven a.m. Um, one final question for you boys before we before we go. What what is the Super Bowl you most want to see and the Super Bowl you least want to see out of these options, uh, Nick? Well, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I think Chiefs Niners is the one that I most want to see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Titans Niners maybe <laughs> least, but, but yeah, I, I'm happy either way. I just don't want the Packers to be there. Okay, uh, and James, where are you at? You're definitely financially invested in it being a San Francisco. Super Bowl, but I, I kind of would be happy for Andy Reid to, 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 to get his, his due. Yeah. Green, yeah. Yeah. He sort of very much deserved. Whereas Green Bay is probably the only team I wouldn't want. Um, I just don't mm. think they're that fantastic, but yeah. win this game, good on you. And you make the Super Bowl and, and you can't accidentally make a Super Bowl. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, if they come out and score 40 on and drop yeah. a 40 hammer on this 49ers defense and it's vintage Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they yeah. still won 13 games this season. I know they I know wins are sometimes flawed and, and record can be overrated, but you know, if you go on the road and beat the 49ers and, and you take care Absolutely. of, you take care of Russell Wilson, who will, will finish second in MVP vote voting, um, because obviously Bill Polian will not vote for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> so Russell Wilson's God. definitely getting a vote. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's still, still an accomplishment. You're still getting Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I, I, like a Mahomes Rodgers Super Bowl would be hella fun just for, if you're a fan of just amazing quarterback play. But mm. yeah, I, it's hard to go past Chief 40, Chiefs 49ers. Just over the last two, two years, the Chiefs have been such a fun team and, and, and such a, a great team. And for Mahomes to, 
to be in two ASD Championship games his first two seasons of his career, and, and there's a lot of narrative about him. Like, I remember Aikman went at him for not winning rings and, and all that sort of stuff. It's like, God, come on, mate. He's had two seasons playing in the NFL. I think they definitely deserve it. And the way the 49ers have, been, have played this season, I think they definitely deserve to be there. And I think Kyle Shanahan can potentially get some some revenge after kind of botching a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So there's a lot of good narratives from from mm. a head coach perspective with Andy Reid and and Kyle Kyle Shanahan. So I think either way though, it's I think all four of them would be I, Titans Packers might be a bit of a bummer, but uh, it's such a good story with the Titans. Like it would be like Tennessee would be like Nashville would be going absolutely nuts. So um, yeah, it would be and Tannehill playing in Miami in the Super Bowl would also is an <laughs> underrated narrative just given <laughs> that, yeah. that he spent. A lot of the seasons they're doing absolutely nothing. So, uh, you know, a, a kind of a homecoming slash home field advantage for Tannehill if they do make the Super Bowl. So anyway, um, all right. Well, that wraps up our conference, uh, conference championships preview. We'll uh, be back not next week unless you want to do a Pro Bowl, um, pod. I definitely did not want to do that. Um, <laughs> um, is it in Hawaii? Can I bet on the skill? If I can bet on the skills tournament, I might, I might actually look into that because that's, I'm, I'm just got a disease. Um, but, um, you guys yeah, want to do a season betting review? A season review? Um, we could, we could. Um, I'm in Melbourne next week, so we'll, we'll talk off air. I might be able to join you, join you in the office potentially. Um, so we'll talk. Um, but yeah, well, if, if not, we'll be back definitely the following week to preview, uh, Super Bowl, obviously. Um, so that wraps up the show. As always, follow us on Twitter at Stats Insider. Head to statsinsider.com.au slash NFL or, or even when the games are going on, statsinsider.com.au slash live. And, uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well at WootNY. And until next week, enjoy conference championship weekend.